1: Live.
2: All right, Ryan, are you still there, sir? Yeah. Okay, good. I got everything set up. Okay, sir, so we're going to discuss, uh, I got a couple of things, but I'm going to just let it flow with you on this first one here and then if it goes any other direction, if time permits itself, then we'll go. It's just, you, you're pro pro at this. You do this on kco so you're not a novice to this. Okay, <laughs> we're actually going to talk about the level of expectations for HBCUs. Can you handle that? Yeah. Okay. All right, and welcome to the Sports Report Weekly. This is Dr. Michael Prince, and I have been fortunate enough to catch up with the ears and the voice of Prairie View Athletics, and that is none other than Sports Information Director, Mr. Ryan McGinty. How are you doing, sir, and Happy New Year to you? Uh, I'm fine. Yourself? Um, I'm wonderful, wonderful. Um. Thank you for taking time out uh, to to get busy with us here uh, for this first uh, show for 2015. First, let me ask, what's going on on the hill at Prairie View right now?
0: Well, literally, as I turn to my right, there's a bulldozer and several other tractor-looking accessories. Uh, tearing down a historic venue called Blackshear Field and probably the best view to have in this whole building
2: right about now. <laughs> the the end of Blackshear is in the very present, and so the future is looking bright. The Panthers are expected to be uh, in their new stadium, and I'm assuming it's going to be the new Blackshear Stadium in 2016. Even though you know, naming and rights and money can change the whole bunch of things. So we'll see how that comes in the near future. Uh, Ryan, what I was um, um, excited to get a hold to you about, um, there's no secret, uh, no mystery of what's been going on uh, in basketball throughout the Southwest Athletic Conference, in particular that of the Texas Southern Tigers. Now we know Texas Southern and Prairie View are a very heated rivalry. uh, Two historical black universities in the state of Texas, less than 60 miles separating the two of them. What has been your take on what you're seeing Texas Southern doing in these non-conference basketball games?
0: Well, it's amazing uh, how this uh, whole basketball thing comes full circle. And what I mean is if uh, I, I had the opportunity to follow Texas Southern as a kid because my father went there and as part of, uh, the male bonding experience. The mother uh, says to the husband, "Drag the son along with you, hoping <laughs> uh, hope he loves it, and it may blossom into something." And it, it actually worked. Right. So basically, my introduction introduction to the SWAC was through TSU, and so at that time I'm in late 70s, baby, and I came up through the 80s and 90s in terms of you know my development. But I've seen TSU have strong, competitive basketball teams. And it's funny that they're the ones that's competing well out of conference now. But it's amazing to some people who haven't seen it before. But if you do their basketball history, this is the norm. This was the norm for them, especially in the early 90s, late 80s, because at that time there was no such thing as AAU ball. Uh, in terms of having kids go out all summer and play. What happened at that time is most of the kids uh, or young men were just strictly doing seasonal stuff, football. Then they would play basketball for high school. Summer was just pick up around town. So there was no exposure to other schools outside the region. So what happened to Texas Southern at that time had a coach who was from Utica Junior College named Robert Moreland, and he knew the Mississippi area like the back of his hand. So he's coming down, once he gets the TSU job, I think his first or second year at TSU, he wins the NAA National Championship with a team full of guys from Utica. And <laughs> fast forward into the 80s and the 90s, he was getting, when I say quality guys out the Mississippi area, Jackson, the Delta area, Legitimate pro prospects who can drop 20 25 a game that was the norm, and it and so what they were doing then is what I saw all the time. And now, what you see now is almost it's like a full circle, it's just different to how Coach Mike Davis attracts players compared to how Coach Morgan did. He could get them straight from high school, Coach Davis gets them from another institution through the transfer rule and stuff. But at the end, end of the day, if the end result is the same, they're competing, but they have a strong basketball DNA at Texas Southern. So that's not surprising, considering if you've seen the facility and everything, it is more cut out to be a basketball school at the end of the day. Just in terms of the factors, it's an urban area, and basketball is a quicker way to make some noise uh, as opposed to going a football route.
2: Exactly. We're on the phone line with uh, Sports Information Director Ryan McGinty from Prairie View a University. Uh, but Ryan is a well-versed young man. Uh, he spent some time at Gremlin. You have heard that he has some TSU ties, and he's just a swack oriented guy. Uh, glad to have you on board, Ryan. Now, you may mention about Coach Mike Davis. One thing that Mike Davis has proven time at the time, that he's not afraid to take risks on ball ballplayers, get that rebound type guy who may have messed up at a bigger conference in the SEC and ACC and come and give him a second chance, if you will, and he has the skill set and he maybe can benefit from the nurturing that is often given at an HBCU. With that being said, why do we not see other universities, HBCUs in particular, taking this approach?
0: Well... Um, you know, that's a question even me as a fan, first of all, before I say I'm an employee of one, as a fan, you know, at a game, you ask the same question whether they're doing it while we're not. But if you dig deeper into it, each university is different across the country. Each university, you know, there's no, there's no cookie-cutter blueprint plan out there in terms of running a university meaning not everyone's going to have the same majors. Not everybody's going to have the same uh, missions, you know, in terms of what they were founded for. And so at the end of the day, you have to have stuff in place at your institution to, you know, attract certain athletes. And also they have to match up with your standards and what you have in place because, you know, the dirty word out there, it's called well, it's not even a word; it's an acronym. APR.
2: <laughs> APR. Yes, sir. Right. Yes, sir. So,
0: what may work at one place necessarily will not work at at the other if you don't have the resources or programs in place to attract them. Meaning, uh, for instance, Texas Southern has that in place, and uh, they've recovered from APR. That's been noted and documented. So, is actually. So they are one of the models for HBCUs in terms of how to reverse the program. So what they have over there in general is they have programs, not really a program, but they have in their curriculum uh, a major that's designed to uh, where you can take on certain players. Prairie View doesn't have the same major. But it can be done if they wanted to go that route. But, you know, each school is different, and uh, they do what they want to do. But you you see it in more places. You can look at Southern just in our conference. Uh, their starting lineup the other night who played, you know, when they played TSU. Uh, they had a guy in the middle uh, who was a Texas A&M transfer who set out last year. And one of their guards came from South Carolina Upstate, and another one of their guards transferred from Lamar. So I think it's happening, but it's just quiet in some places, and ultimately that may be the trend. But at the end of the day, there's only so many big-time players that's going to be sitting out there that you can attract. I don't think – because each year is maybe three, 400 kids that leave uh, Division One schools because they weren't cut out for a certain one. Maybe 20 or 30 are that high-level game-changing type uh, player, and Coach Mike Davis is able to attract those kind.
2: All right, we're on the phone line with Ryan McGinty, Sports Information Director for Prairie View a and University. Now, Ryan, you made some some valid points here on how uh, we'll dub Texas Southern University as basketball university for the SWAC right now. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the the level of expectation for some of these HBCUs, um, to me, this is just one man's talk, one man's uh, uh, chain, if you will, the the level of expectation needs to be raised too many times that that what I'm hearing the feedback that I get the HBCUs are content on being competitive instead of going there to win they're playing not to get blown out they're playing to make the score respectable instead of having the mindset we're going in to win this game i can see we're going to exclude football because football it's basically about power and it's basically about the bottom dollar. Basketball is a sport with very little overhead and yes, size can play a factor, but you can run schemes and have certain skill type set of players where you can be what Gonzaga was when they first came on the scene in the Sweet sixteen in the NCAA tournaments. You can have that more consistency in basketball, in baseball. In your Olympic sports, if you will, but for whatever reason, it's the mentality or the expectations are not raised. How do you address that or reply to that? I should say.
0: Well, first of all, in the Olympic sports, you see a lot of the parity across the board now. Like, for instance, uh, last year in the baseball regional, Jackson State went up to ULL and beat them. 1-0 one o So it's possible. It can happen in uh, the Olympic sports, and it can also indefinitely uh, track and field has happened. I've seen it firsthand. We've had a guy go to the NCAA Nationals for straight years, in a, um, a fellow named Preston Woodard in one of the jump events. So it's happened across the board in those events, in those sports. But for basketball, I don't, you know, it's one of those things, uh, Mike. I'll be honest with you. I don't know it's because if you, at the end of the day, baseball is a diverse talent pool. Meaning, you know, most of the times if you want to be competitive, you have to step outside your normal talent pool and uh, to do it. Basketball, it doesn't take a genius to realize what is the dominant, dominant talent pool. But on our levels, mainly HBCUs, we stick. We don't. Ha- we haven't adopted the philosophy, uh, philosophy like we have in baseball, uh, meaning of going outside the talent pool. So I don't know. In some cases, because sometimes there's so many kids playing basketball, it's almost as like it's more quantity than quality. Mm-hmm. So it's a situation where uh, maybe you, you know the stigma that's out there with terms of basketball. Maybe sometime we may have to go, and I look at like the Gonzaga, that's become the new model everybody wants to follow. You look at Gonzaga, they look more, they're not your non traditional basketball team. You know, they're big, they're foreign, and they have guys who buy into a system. Everybody wants to do that. I think, to be honest with you, in terms of HBCU, to be consistent every week, every month, in terms of competing with the out of conference teams think we may have to adjust our models to a certain extent now is how we're going to do it i can't tell you because i'm not a coach but obviously as you see i think you may have to diversify the sport on our level similar to how we have done in baseball and softball to become competitive because as you can see it works in the other sports but no in doubt our, in our sport of basketball for whatever reason hasn't and i don't know if it's because just the you know it's different. It's just basketball town pool is whole different. But I see watching games on TV now is not about color anymore. Because I look at the Wichita State teams, um, they were pretty competitive, very diverse. You know, you see Gonzaga, obviously. You no, know, at the old uh, a few years ago, I say about ten years ago. Remember the old Utah teams with right, Keith Van right. Horn? You know, you couldn't stand Keith Van Horn, but <laughs> he could play. And, right. you know, Utah was a heavily Mormon team uh, at that time. So I just think even we may have to diversify our rosters not in so many ways so you can tap into a, you know, a good talent base also because definitely everybody wants a dominant talent pool, and we know what that is without even me saying it. But at the same time, there's only so much that you can get that's going to fulfill your needs. So the way to counter that, you go outside your norm, and uh, sometimes you can come up with some gems. I think that's what you see now with uh, the Hispanics at the HBCUs in terms of baseball. You know, at one time, not many people didn't touch that demographic. Now it's common now, and because coaches have realized hey, there's some good players, and a lot of them are not being recruited, right? Especially you know, in the South region, and there's so many of them that's playing good baseball. And so they tapped into that, and as you can see, you can see an Alabama State beating Auburn, or you got Jackson State doing well, and uh, Prairie View even. we competed well out the conference. So it's, I guess we may have to go that uh, just diversify the rosters. I think it could work in basketball. It may take time. And you may get some funny looks. But at the end of the day, when you win, people don't care where you come from.
2: Well, and, and I'm going to take it a little bit beyond diversity because, The diversity part is a part of life. Um, I'm leaning more towards systems and philosophies. I think that as a coach, especially on a collegiate level, you have a system that you you like, that you run, and that's part of it. That's why you're the coach. But then part of coaching is say I got three players that I'm recruiting and player A, B, and C, I can't get – a b went somewhere else so i'm stuck with c even though he's the third man on the pole does he fit my system and if he fits my system then i have to coach him up even though he was my number three he has now become my number one now i have to create a level of expectation and a level of reality because my point is this if you don't feel like you can win the game stop taking the games
0: Well, <laughs> that's probably controversial in terms of don't take the games because it's already pretty much the way budgets are set now uh you have to go out and some schools differ in terms of how the dollar amount you have to secure' obviously some of your most successful programs, let's say north carolina central h b c u they've won ten games already last year they ran through MEAC and they've had a good – but at the same time, they played a good mix of teams. You can play your – but they they beat North Carolina State. But, you know, that's a different region of the country, so basketball is a little different out there in the Tobacco Road area compared to it is in the South. But I think the only problem is that is everyone's become so dependent on a $75,000, $80,000 check, and it's hard to turn down. But at the same time, also is do you have the reason why uh, each program is different? Some programs don't even put any stock in non-conference. Just go on and secure it. Play. If you have a good game or two, that's great. But you're, I'm judging you in conference. Others will judge you from the first preseason game to the last, you know, a uh, tournament game.
2: Well, but well, I, I mean, let me let me interject just for a mm-hmm. second, Ryan. Now all that's fine and dandy but -hmm. let me let me speak in particular about the swag Mm -hmm. and i'm going to exclude the texas southern because what what in my opinion what i'm saying from the outside looking in i'm just a, a report i report sports that's what i do from the outside looking in michael davis is preparing texas southern for beyond the swag it appears that the swack majority of the swag coaches and I'm not just talking about basketball, but across the gamut, most swag coaches are just content on being successful in the swag. And you gotta set your level of expectations higher than that.
0: Well, that's the thing. Now obviously you gotta have time also. Like when you mentioned the recruiting aspect of it, if I'm lost out on my top two guys and I'm forced to roll that third guy and I have a four-year contract and that third guy is a freshman. <laughs> Will I be around to see that guy become a good player? And so a lot of times you have to, you, you'll see coaches try to go junior college route uh, to, to get the quick, not a quick fix, but to become competitive night in, night out, at least at conference play. Junior college, uh, athletes are hit or miss because if you have normally you only have two years with them. The first year is a, sometimes a transition year. They're trying to figure out where they're at compared to getting to Division One. and time, they the light comes on. It's their second year and they they're finished. You it's to start all over again. And so I think the problem is is you know these days coaches doesn't have the time to uh, trial and error like you used to in the past. And in your case, uh, when you say at the SWAC, also you have to be at a place where they're going to, how they're going to view basketball. Are they going to view it as we're going, we're going to be built to win the conference consistently and compete out of conference, or we're just going to be built to just compete in the conference. Uh, So it's all a thing. And Texas Southern, like, you know, just in their case, they've had a strong basketball history a lot of their resources has been allocated more towards basketball compared to football. And it shows because it doesn't take much, like you said, to win in basketball. Now, to win big, you may have to put up some stuff. And they've done that, you know, over the course compared to, and they've even sacri- I'm not going to say sacrifice football, but I tell people if you notice at some schools, you know how Kentucky is a basketball school, but it's not a football school, and they've probably mm-hmm. spending just as much money on um, both sports, but for whatever reason, Kentucky is will always be the basketball. They're probably getting that one little thing that can make the football program great. Kentucky is getting that for basketball, and so I think as time goes on and as you know we evolved, I think the schools will have to unofficially determine what they what do they want to be. In, I am so on, glad. On our level.
2: I am so glad you brought that up. If you have time. Uh, we're mm-hmm. with Ryan McGinty. He's the uh, sports information director for Prairie View and the University Panthers. You just made the uh, the universities and their identities as far as athletics mm-hmm. is concerned. I'm going to to call out the universities within the SWAC, and then I want you, from your perspective, tell me how do you think they're identified athletically? Is that okay? Yeah. We, all, we already got Texas Southern. We identified them. Their basketball. Their basketball. Correct. Mm-hmm.
0: Both men okay. and then and they put well, some emphasis yeah. on their women's also. So right. you definitely is basketball.
2: Okay, Southern University, football. Even like though they you. have a
0: strong basketball history, they they will be identified more with football. Okay. at this point, Jackson State football similar to Southern, strong basketball history, but football over there is what they live and die. Grambling State, uh, football all the way. Again, a great basketball history, but that is they, doesn't, they don't get enough credit for their strong. I mean, Willis Reed come through there, Larry Wright, but football's always driven that bus over there. Okay. Um, Arkansas, Pine Bluff.
1: Hmm.
0: More football because they got an NFL Hall of Famer as opposed to uh, uh, they've had good pro prospect, but Pine Bluff more, more football, even though that could be another story. Basketball could be could work for them though. Okay.
2: All corn. Now,
0: that's an interesting one because uh, <laughs> they they were known for football recently. Now it's more getting back to football, but at one time in the eighties they were what Texas Southern was strong basketball. Should have been Indiana, uh, mm-hmm. in the uh thing. They they actually have a NCAA tournament win. They and they were getting great talent out of all you know, out of that area. But now it's more everything is now geared toward because basketball, they're going through some transition.
2: Okay. Okay. Alabama A and M.
0: They they used to be a strong basketball school. They were division two, they were very good in basketball. But ever since they went to division one has been football has has been the an emphasis and uh and so they're, they're trying to build a football identity. Okay.
2: Alabama State.
0: Probably the biggest, I uh, wouldn't call it the question mark. They've devoted significant resources across the board. They're trying to be that consistent football school. They've built and invested in a brand-new stadium, but arguably has one of the nicer basketball arenas. As of now, then you so you've seen what they've done baseball,
2: mm-hmm. and so
0: they're one of those schools. I don't know they'll have to. They're trying to go football with the with their hire of Brian Jenkins. Basketball, they've competed, have a good coach in Coach Jackson, but I think they're trying to hang everything else on football when you build a stadium that's costing thirty forty million
2: bucks. Yes, sir, no doubt. Mississippi Valley State Delta Devils. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, basketball all the way. All the way, yeah.
2: Uh, okay. Basketball, all the way. Okay, and of the Prairie View Panthers.
0: As yeah, of now, Strong it was built more on strong football tradition. Even though they have like like other schools had good basketball in the fifties and the sixties, but every now everything is going towards football. But at the same time, they're in a market to where. They can become strong as you say, on the women's side they're almost they're developing that and uh, have a strong battle side on the men's I mean in terms of tradition, just just have to get get it back to where to where it was. And it's gonna be hard because you don't get a Zelmo baby to fall in your lap like you did in those days <laughs> but um, they have a chance me and it's not just for me working here, considering where you're at, you're not in Houston, but you're right outside. You're in Texas, which is an emerging basketball state. you can almost be good in both, and I think even it is and even Roger Kador from Southern the baseball coach even alluded to it He even said it publicly on in an interview is the location leads to where you can be good across the board at preview because you're not mm-hmm. really because Texas now everyone's rating Texas for basketball talent, so you're kind of in the best you're not in a state where everything is just geared toward one sport so Right, but right now obviously with the stadium coming
2: on, it's gonna be football. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. Ryan McGinty, sports information director for the Prairie View Panthers. Uh Ryan, we thank you so much, man. You uh breeze through this thing, you're an old pro at this, man.
0: Uh, no problem. You know, it's but you're only as good as the person who asks you the question. So <laughs>
2: the yeah. checks and the checks on the way, man. I appreciate that <laughs> very much. Well, look, Ryan, is there anything you'd like to share with us, man, as we get ready to um, wrap this segment up?
0: Well, no, at the end of the day, uh, like you said, the identity thing is we could be we could talk about that for an hour, two hours Um, uh, what it is. I think though, as like I said earlier, how we define how we're going to find our programs, we're going to probably end up having to hang our hat on one major sport and go for that. And as opposed to trying to, if you don't have enough money to go across the board for everything, just put emphasis on one or two sports that you can hang your hat on and some stuff, and then you just try to hope those work out, you can develop the others. Uh Boy, wait, so, a, me, wait a, a minute.
2: Time mm-hmm. out, time mm-hmm. out, time out. Are you telling me out of the 18 sports that mm-hmm. the Southwest Athletic Conference is offering, you only suggest putting emphasis on one or two sports? Well,
0: not Not even that. Every school on our level, not, because I look at it as a school not that far from us. They were content at one time in the NAA level with being a basketball power. Life was great. They were the dominant force almost in that division. But I guess, you know, internally, they wanted more. They didn't have football. They didn't have to worry about it.
2: They and, went and the in the university. And the university you speak of, Houston Baptist. Houston Baptist. Okay, that's a perfect just,
0: example. i yes, want to sir, tell it's you this. Houston Baptist. They used to be a great. Anyone can tell you. you know, in the 90s. Any, they probably had a better roster than a lot of a lot of teams in Division One level. Cause they used to get some bounce back kids. Like, why is this kid here? But that's HBU. But anyway, they moved up to Division One recently. But they real, but they realized they're not gonna get in the conference unless they come with the carrot. Well, they went and created a football team from scratch uh, two years ago, and developed built a stadium, and basically they said we're gonna hang our hat on football. And now this is just from hearing people around. You know, a lot of people said their basketball team is not as strong as it was because now a lot of stuff has went towards establishing football, and I think that's way, unfortunately. When you don't have enough to go across the board 100%, that's what's going to be the norm. And on our level, that's what you have to do, hang your hat on one or two things. Because if you can see, you saw HBU is just a perfect example. In South Alabama has created football. A lot of schools that used to be good basketball has ended up adding football. For whatever reason, each school is different. But as you notice, uh, some people... Are not content unless they get the football off the ground. I'm more saying if you got something that's successful, build that up as opposed to trying to uh, create something and just giving away resources. We'll see that, in about 10 years as HBU that model sounds, will work.
2: That sounds extremely dangerous to me. Mm-hmm. That sounds extremely dangerous. <laughs> I'm, and when you're talking about. Let's 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 get to to the nuts and bolts of things. And mm-hmm. I know we was about to shut this down, but you just opened up a whole other uh, uh, Pandora's box, if you will. Mm-hmm. It, it when you look at the expense alone, just to operate a football program, it doesn't compare to the operation of a successful basketball program. I'm with you. But, it doesn't compare to the operation of a successful baseball program.
0: But what I I'm, I'm not I'm,
2: anti I'm not anti football. I don't want you to think mm-hmm. I'm anti football. But <laughs> it, it seems ludicrous that you would destroy something that has been a proven working mechanism to mm-hmm. establish something else.
0: I don't know at the end of the day, each school has their own reason for doing it, but for whatever reason Schools that did not have the expense of football, they went out and created the expense. And in uh, UN uh, Uni- University of North Carolina, Charlotte, done the same thing, created programs from scratch, and they were strong basketball schools. For whatever reason, they and I guess they see the stuff that comes with it, having a successful program. But at the end of the day, it only so each school is only gonna is in a You know, they doing it for their own specific reasons. And the return is different also. But if in the last 10, 15 years, there's more schools who have strong basketball programs have opted to add football for whatever reason, and that's been a trend. And so uh, obviously, I guess everyone figures that return is better on football. Now, what is return again? I can't tell you. I don't know. I'm not a, an accountant, but obviously you're not committing $2 to a football program because Obviously, with a good football program, you got equipment, facilities. You need to create a marching band, and they all bank on a good football program will add an extra thousand students easier to your school, which is what this. I guess that's the return. Is that theory true? It's hard to say. I can't tell you because I don't have the numbers in front. But I think that's what what you're saying makes sense. But um, but everyone else is going opposite. Let's go let's go on and create the eight hundred pound gorilla and ride with it because they think eight hundred pound gorilla can produce a three hundred pound gorilla each year and it's just multiplying and making something as opposed to having a two hundred pound gorilla that's only producing uh you know, a fifty one, a fifty pound one or nothing at all. So that's why everyone's going with football. I guess they think they're better and greater returns. But like we've seen now, even that is showing the numbers as is getting into the B.A. Country Club. Only
2: five <laughs> conferences
0: can enjoy the privilege in this country club, and and they give the middle conferences maybe 30 or 40 teams. They'll give the highest-rated team out of those conferences a chance to at least get a one-day membership, which is Boise State, into that <laughs> into that, uh you know, automatic bowl, uh, you know, where the bowl games really mean something with $15 million right. payout. Right. So, right. yeah, basically it's just five of your, five country club members and Boise State, next year maybe somebody else. But everyone is trying to chase that. And we can start another thing of schools who are coming up and trying to be Division One right out the gate as opposed to going from FCS to FBS. You have a whole other conversation. Yeah, yeah
2: that's we'd have to we'd have to uh, come back. Uh, as long as you mm-hmm. promise, man, that you'll come back and be a guest on the show, we'd love to have you. Is that? Is uh, that no problem. We, that's okay. Ryan McGinty, sports information director for the Prairie View and University Panthers, talked about the level of expectation for HBCUs and a whole lot more. Ryan, thank you so much. Uh, we'll take a break and we'll be back with more of this week's edition of the Sports Report Weekly. Either way, where you got it. We'll be right back. Appreciate it. Yes, sir. I appreciate you, man. That, that, that we could talk all day about that, but that's crazy. Yeah.
0: yeah. But, I mean, I, that's, I start thinking. I'm like, well, you know, HBU is probably the uh, could be the... Hold on. Yeah, HBU is probably the one... You think about it. They were a good basketball school. Great, I mean NEIA, but they wanted to go back in Division One, and they turn around and added a uh, football, and now,
2: you, you, I don't you, you see much return on it. Do You see how many, how much successful programs, athletic programs that don't even have football, where basketball is their big boy, their big girl, and they making good money. It's an indoor sport; you you, you can control the environment a lot better. It's just it just don't make sense.
0: Well, I think it's a, something about the state of Texas, in my opinion. You're not identified unless you have football. And uh, that's what I think it is. Even the school that's spending a lot on basketball, like A&M, whatever, people are not coming consistently. Look at the way the game is structured. You got, you're got you playing 10 home games in non-conference, and 9 out of 10 against schools, they're, they're no have no interest seeing compared to uh, in Kentucky where they're going to come regardless of who you play. Right. And you right. don't, you know, A&M is right. about winning, we'll show up. Kentucky is like, you win and lose, I mean, you show up and lose, so we're going to put pressure on you, but we still come and win, lose,
2: or draw. Right. Yeah, well, so. And it's just like when you go with Prairie Views, mm-hmm. case, okay, Um, or any, I won't just pick on Prairie View, but just mm-hmm. any of them, what's the point of me going there at, knowing I'm about to get my butt wiped? And well, like,
1: that don't make sense to me. A
0: buddy of mine made a point and he was like you're doing it everywhere else but for whatever reason the media picked up on us doing the money games but let's say somebody else I mean there's plenty of schools doing the same thing we're doing, but for whatever reason it doesn't come out that they're it's like if we both play U T, me and then let's say somebody like uh let's say Charleston Southern or something like that. Mm-hmm. They're gonna be like, oh well, we need you know by us being in tech, they expect us to play. We're doing it. Charleston Southern is not doing it for whatever reason. Uh-huh. I tell folks, I think what happened, we just have to schedule better. If we schedule some consistent home games, it won't it won't look like that because what happened is, like Pine Bluff, Alabama A&M. You look at the schedules on is what's so similar is everybody is forsaking home non-conference games. TSU and TSU well TSU actually had Lamar come in there but that was it. And I think for where their program is at, they should at least have three or four non conference. Mm -hmm. I think that's what's happening is no one sees them anymore in non conference because everyone is going out and so then when we come back in conference it's slow to build back up because no one knows who you are. Right. And so I think Well once
2: again if you got a good if you got a good uh uh radio program or somebody doing something you could fix that too, even if you just want yeah. to show you know highlighting and updating what is going on you know yeah. that can that can be rectified too you know
0: that you know it's combination i i'm I'm like you know on our level at least if you can get at least three or four home games in a small fall semester, that does a lot And three of them in November you know december is they every anywhere you go. That's proven. But then at the uh-huh. same time, though, it all depends on what you're kind of expected to raise. Now, in some cases, I was told TSU, this is just in the past, they didn't have to raise that much. But, you know, sometimes when you get getting $80,000 checks, ah, I need to get one more. You know, <laughs> I think what what some schools are doing, though, if you can go get $80,000, go play someone that's much like that doesn't have a strong basketball type tradition. And like friends of Kansas State, they've been decent. They haven't been this great. Auburn, you know, where they don't care about basketball at Auburn. See, Tia, you were smart too. You go schedule an SEC team that's going to pay, but you get one that's kind of been down and you, and that's a great way to build, you know, to build your resume up like that. You 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 know, you go out there and play UCLA um uh, it's another Kentucky, uh North Carolina. Nah, I man, you're selling yourself, but you go out there out there and you can play uh you know, some of your bottom of the barrel SEC or Big Twelve. The bottom of
2: the barrel recognizable school.
0: Yeah, and which give you a chance to compete. Life is different.
2: You know, life is different. That's why I think
0: you may have to go. Most teams are gonna end up trying to do. Uh, you know, as opposed to you know, at one time A and M was a good was a good game you could win or whatever. Right. Yeah. Right. So, uh, and then as opposed to what's another one? Uh, like a TCU, which we played. You know, those kinds of Texas, Tana, You know, a TCU's or even LSU. Even though LSU was a big SEC, Savannah State had was up sixteen to six. Mm-hmm. But they don't. They play a style of ball where they're not gonna blow you out, so you can get a right. good game against. That's I think that's gonna be the key. You play Alabama basketball. You know, I okay. I like this. I just go now. Oregon is switched around, but I go. You know, they just. I think you just have to schedule differently, and you know you can lose close and people start noticing. Cause one year I think at Prairie View, Kelvin, in Oklahoma, we played them. After we beat U of H, it was close for a minute. Even made ESPN highlights. When people think it's close, then all of a sudden they follow you consistently. But when you come out getting beat by 30, 40, oh, you lost them for right. three months.
2: Yeah, it, it, it makes it hard. But then that's why I say it's like you're selling yourself out. But then when you get put out, you set your own self up. If I'm going to coach, if I'm going, and I know the money games or the money games, this, that, and the mm-hmm. other. But bottom line, you can say you're not judging me for nine conference, but that's part of my overall win and loss record.
0: Oh, it is. You're right. Every time they fire a coach, first thing they put the overall record was three hundred yeah. and
1: eight
0: hundred. But then you, yeah. look the, you look at the hunt. You look at at eight hundred. Shoot, every year you you start off with eight, eight nine conference losses. Why right. you were there for seven years? Let's just say eight. That's fifty six losses each year.
2: I yes, mean fifty six
0: losses in nine conference
2: Yes, sir. So yeah. And, and, and that affects the overall product image. Yeah. You that's know, why I say get, it. we keep talking about this branding thing, you know, uh it affects everything.
0: Yeah. Well let me get out of here right quick. Let me see what AJ wants. But I yeah, we'll talk though, definitely 'cause that was a good that was a real good deal, Mike. I appreciate
2: okay. it. All right, man, appreciate okay.
1: it. Okay. All right. All right. Contact with Jim.
2: Hello, Jerry. Yeah. Okay, this is Mike Prince. Uh, is it okay to call you now?
1: Uh, yeah.
2: Okay, okay. Well, first of all, man, let me uh, say thank you and congratulations. You graduated in December, right?
1: No, I'm going to graduate in the spring.
2: You're going to graduate in the spring. Okay. Yeah. Well, basically what we want to talk about, man, is, you know, your your career winding up, your opportunity that you have ahead of you, and what's going on in the latest world of Jerry Lovelock. Is that okay?
1: Uh, Hold on. You said it's just my career. And what's going on
2: right now? Yeah, what's going on with you? what is Jerry LoveLock doing right now? I understand this is a big game for you. now. What's the what's the game again? What's the name of the game?
1: The NFLPA game.
2: NFL what?
1: PA Player Association.
2: Okay, Player Association. Okay, and um, and so we'll we'll talk we'll talk about about that and everything else and just you know life in general and the expectations in the future of Jerry LoveLock. Is that all right? Mm-hmm. All right, all right. welcome back to the Sports Report Weekly. Uh, this segment has the feature of a young man who has had um, to great uh, expectations a pretty overall good career at Prairie View, and that is none other than uh, the former quarterback for the Prairie View Panthers, Mr. Jerry Lovelock. How you doing today, sir?
1: How you doing, sir? I'm doing
2: okay, doing okay. All right. Well, before we get started, I know you're from – uh the Baltimore Maryland area and um the last time you and I had a conversation, I'm a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. And uh, uh, you guys you guys did your number on us and yep. I'll tip my I'll tip my hat to you and that's the last I'm speaking of that.
1: Appreciate it. Appreciate it. You know, A lot of people a lot of people can't own up to that just yet. You know it's been a tough pill for them to swallow.
2: Yeah, yeah yes yeah, sir. It's, it's been a tough pill to swallow but I can I can move on. Um, we, we've said enough about that. Let us move on and talk about uh, Mr. Jerry Lovelock. Well, Jerry, look your your season, your senior season didn't end quite the way you planned it. But on an overall scale of one to ten, with ten being the greatest, how would you summarize your your senior season and why?
1: Uh, my senior season. Uh, I would I would summarize it at eight, you know, eight. Always a great number. Uh, I would say eight because you know uh, we, as the season shown, we started off very slow. You know, starting off on four, you know, me playing with a young young cast and all. But you know, as the season went on, you know, we grew to be closer as a family, as a team, and we pulled things together and we were able to uh, end the season with a five hundred record.
2: Yes, sir. You pulled it together with the season. As a matter of fact, one of five of the last six games that you played. And although it does not have an effect on you per se, what was the feeling for you when you heard the news that they were moving in another direction, with uh, as far as Coach Heitz was concerned?
1: Um, I mean, uh, at first, you know, like emotionally, it hit all like me and all of our players, you know, because you know my whole career, you know, I had played under Coach Heitz, you know, and at first, it was kind of, you know, personally for me, it was, it was a, you know pretty much changing the book because I was recruited by Henry Frazier, the former coach, you know, and then mm-hmm. in, in turn, I just, you know, I grew to respect Coach Northern a whole lot because, you know, now that I'm a little bit older, more mature, I understand now that, you know, he didn't have to make the decisions that he did, you know, he didn't have to keep you know scholarship and keep me there, you know, he could have just pretty much let me go into the world and let me figure it out on my own, but, I, you know, so like when, when they released Coach Heisman, it's, it hurt me, you know. what I'm saying to see that, you know, he had to go through that, you know, like because he has a family and everything. Just to see, that, you know, it's a bit like to see the business aspect of the game played out the way it was. You know, it kind of hit me kind of hard. But then right. to see, you know, but then to see like next couple days that you know he he had got another job. I was like, all right, you know, you know things aren't always as they seem. You know,
2: not only did but. he get another job, but he went. To, to your biggest fold right down the road at Texas Southern. I know you had to give him a hard time about that one, huh?
1: Yeah. I mean, I mean, everyone in everyone in the was like, how could he go to Texas Southern? I can't believe it. You know, this, that, and the third, there's no way he could. I can't stand it. And I'm like, you know, I was just looking at it like, like I said, the person of everybody, first of all, this man has a whole family that he has to take care of. So, you know, like, it doesn't matter where you go, it's like, money is a business, like, he's a great coach overall, you know, regardless of what our organization and what our program thought, you know. So, I'm like, he exactly. has to make money to keep his life going, so. But I was that's like, right. that's your southern? That was the appeal for me. I was like, oh, he could have went <laughs> anywhere else in the conference. Like, he could have went back to grambling for all I cared. But, you know, I was like, man, I was just happy to see that, you know, he was back right. on his feet. you know, and, you know, he wasn't down. He keep his head up, you know. He kept his head up throughout the whole situation. You know, and just kept it positive and good things started
2: to fade. There you go. Speaking of good things, you have a very great opportunity that's lying ahead of you right now. We're on the phone line with Jerry Lovelock, former quarterback for the Prairie View and the University campus. Uh, you got an invitation for a big game coming up for you on the 17th of January, correct? And, yes, and that's sure. the, the NFL Players Association Tell us how that came about for you, and and how everything uh, panned out for you. Well, I mean
1: that uh, it actually came about in one of the strangest ways, really, because you know as the season was near, you know, and it was and things, you know, with the coaches took the turn that it did. You know, the following week after the season, and then, you know, so that was the time where all the bowls, people can kind of call around and try to see if the players want to commit. And at the time before like the whole coaching staff went through what they went through, I had only talked with one bowl game, You know, and that was like I wanna say that's probably the last time I sat in coach like Coach Heisch's office with him.
2: Uh-huh. And
1: I was to talk with that was to talk with someone from the uh college gridiron bowl that's in Arlington. You know, uh-huh. so that was actually the first one that I the first one that I actually heard from. But then it was like as the week went by You know, and then the coaches, you know, the things happened with our program that it did, and it came to find out that the NFLPA people were actually trying to send me invites through my coaches, you know, and them not knowing, you know, the current situation with our coaches and what was going on. Right, right, right. You know, it was like all the messages were kind of just afloat, you know what I mean? Right, right. then, uh, Then one actually came through to one of our assistant coaches who was still on the staff. And he was the one who actually forwarded to me, like, you know, hey, uh, I don't know if you've got this or not. They've been saying they're trying to reach you, you know, blah, blah, blah. And as soon as I saw it, like, you know, my eyes went up, and I, I really almost cried because I was like, what? Like, you know what I'm saying? This this opportunity is just like, look, it's like, you know what I mean? It was, it was another door for me to walk through, you know? Mm-hmm. And then from that moment on, you know, I contacted the folks, you know, got all the information that I needed to, and. I just, you know, put my blinders on and been on grind or whatever
2: since. Put your blinders on and got on the grind, right?
1: Yeah.
2: Okay. That's now, Jerry, Jerry, you 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 got a lot going on for you in your young life. Uh, you've completed your eligibility at Purdue. You're going to be graduating in the spring. Uh, great possibility that you'll get a strong, long look for the next level, which is the NFL and, and weighing all your options. I'm pretty sure by now you've at least been talking to some agents How are you taking all this in right now?
1: Uh, Right now I'm just, you know, trying to keep my priorities straight, and I'm just trying to stay focused really. Like, you know, first thing for me is I'm going to make sure I graduate, you know, so if all the other things are going on with gangs and, like, uh, agents and things like that, my number one priority still, you know, for me and my family is to make sure I graduate, you know, because it's me and my mom, like, that's the person backing me on all my decisions you know, helping me see all angles of the, of the picture, you know. And with the games right now, I'm just, like I said, I'm just grinding every day, like, because it just started snowing here in Baltimore uh, yesterday. So okay. it kind of, you know, kind of hit me with a curveball, you know, just kind of like, let's see if he's going to quit now, you know. And I just <laughs> thinking like, hey, you know what I'm saying? You know, I just looked at it like, man, it's nothing but snow. It's just a little cold. That's it. Let me go hit the hill, you know. People might not right. want to throw rocks, so but let me go run the hill, you know. I just grabbed right. my teeth like any other time and went running. You know, snow is snow. It's not going to do nothing to make you better. You know, you're going to
2: roll, drive, turf when you're playing, so. I you playing. There you go. Kept we're on the phone with Jerry Lovelock, former quarterback for the Prairie View the University Panthers. Uh, Jerry has had a taste of success, and uh, we're pulling for you here at the Open Mic Broadcast Network and TV Nation that you get a chance to go uh, to the next level. I'm going to put you on the spot just for a second, Jerry, and it's not intentional, but you are a Baltimore Ravens fan, so I'll put you on the spot anyway. I'm going to give you five seconds to summarize your career at Prairie View. Five
1: seconds to summarize my career at Prairie View.
2: Uh huh.
1: Uh-huh. <laughs> Whew! Dang. Yeah, yeah, that's on the slide. Five seconds to summarize my career.
2: Look, you're eating up time right now. You're eating up time. All right. right uh, Number one, it
1: was a blessing. Number two was a great experience.
2: Three, lessons learned. Lessons learned. Very good. Very good. Very good. Well, look, man, we want to thank you so much for this opportunity. Uh, We're pulling for you. Uh, Let's uh, make sure that we keep in contact that we can keep a track with you as things go on. And before I shut it down, you need to fill in this blank. Prairie View producers? Productive people. There you go. Jerry Lovelock with Prairie View A&M University, former quarterback, uh, going to debut, and that is January the 17th, correct? Yes, sir. January 17th in Florida?
1: Um, Carson, L, uh, L.A.
2: In LA, oh, Los Angeles. Okay, the other side, mm-hmm. not the not the not the right side, but the left side of the country. Uh yeah. so it'd be the the NFL Players Association game. Do you have a time for that game of schedule and how someone could watch it?
1: Um the time I do not, but I believe it will be televised on ESPN.
2: On the ESPN. I tell you what, we'll make sure we do the research to get that tweeted out on us, and be sure uh, that you guys follow us on OBN underscore radio through our Twitter account, and keep up with all the latest and the greatest. Jerry, thank you very much, young man. You have yourself a prosperous day, and we'll be talking to you real soon, okay?
1: Thank you, sir. You have a blessed one, too.
2: Okay, thank you very much. Jerry Lovelock, former quarterback for the Prairie View Panthers. We're going to take a break, and we'll be right back. All right. Thank you, young brother.
1: All right. Appreciate it again, man.
2: All right, I'll, I'll send you a text with the link of the, of the show for tomorrow. All right, thank you. All right, thank you. How are you doing? You too.